You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. I think we fit into, most of us fit into one of those categories, or we certainly know someone that fits into that category, and everyone's looking for hope at this time in our lives, amen? Everywhere we go, people are looking for hope, and uh, some of the blessings that, uh, that we're going to offer this holiday season, this Christmas season, is uh, we, by the, by the grace of God and by your generosity, we're able to give right at 100 blankets we're going to be giving to the Kearney community, just different people in the community, as we're going to bring the warmth of Jesus. So thank you guys for being so generous and so gracious. We want to welcome you that are in person here in Oracle. We also want to welcome everyone who is online, uh, watching us online for our online campus. And we also want to say a big, uh, how you guys doing in Kearney? In the, in the Copper Corridor, um, and so the Copper Basin area, uh, as you're going to be meeting with us as well online. And God is so wonderfully amazing that, uh, that he just does things continuously. We had a uh, memorial service uh, yesterday, and we talk about finding hope and, and finding that, that Jesus is our anchor, no matter what we're facing in life, amen, you know, through the beginning of our life to the end of our life, Jesus is the one that is our source. And so we had about, a, you know, over 160 people that were here yesterday for this memorial service. Somebody that is not even in our church, uh, the, the family asked if we would do their service for them, and we did that. And uh, from that, there were, uh, you know, about six or seven people that gave their life to Jesus at a memorial service. So we thank God for how wonderful he is. And, t- you know, talking about... Uh, being able to offer that, our, our heart and our desire has been to reach 1,000 people. And uh, we're, we're right at about 200 people since we started that in 2020, even with the pandemic. Uh, with yesterday and, and the weeks prior to that, uh, we are, I mean, I'm sorry, it was 274. So we're right at about 300 people who have said yes to Jesus up to this time. And so I thank I thank the Lord for how gracious he is. Uh, Also, we are in our year-end campaign uh, where we put our generosity together and we accomplish a lot of wonderful things uh, through the monetary blessings that God has provided for us. And the goal that we have for this year is uh, 80,000 and it seems like a big, big, big amount. Um, But uh, in just the last two weeks, about 18,000 has come in for that. So I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing that God has done through your generosity, as well as a lot of people that have been giving from our online campus. So thank you if you've sent in something from online, whether it was through our website or you gave through the mail. I thank the Lord for that. But here's a, here's a wonderful thing about our year-end campaign. Um, and I've said this to you, that there's a family in the, in the church that said, you know what, we're behind the vision. We're, we, we believe that God is in this, and we believe we're going to reach 1,000 people. And they said, uh, we are going to make a way 
where half of that will already be met by us. So that family, half of that's already going to be met. So we just have to meet, meet them halfway. And here's the thing. I believe it's going to happen. How about you? Just believe God to, to do that. So, yeah, I think that's exciting. So we've been talking about finding hope. And I started out the series by bringing a message or, yeah, a message that was titled, We Are All Destined for Hope. And what we find through the lineage of Jesus, uh, that not only did he come for sinners, but he came what? From sinners. His family line was full of people that we scratch our heads wondering how did they ever get into the, the savior of the world's family. But the reality is that every person, every man that has been born except one, and that's Jesus, all of us fall short of the glory of God. And it teaches us that we are destined for hope. We're expecting hope. You have a family that's broken. Guess what? Jesus is the answer. If you have some things that have happened in your past, guess what? Jesus is your hope. And then we moved on to the, to the next week, which was last week, and we talked about we are anchored in hope. Not only do we expect hope, but we find hope in Jesus. And then we're anchored in that hope. Right? We found out that Mary was a virgin and that she carried the, the Messiah. She was, she was impregnated by the power of the Holy Spirit and she carried the Savior of the world. And, and, and it changed her life completely. She said herself, uh, generations will call me blessed. And she was a blessed woman who, who was called by God and chosen by God to make a difference by bringing our Savior. But then we also found out that as we go through the, through the New Testament, everyone who trusts in Jesus, guess where Jesus lives? In our hearts and in our lives. So we carry Jesus wherever we go. And so with that, we are anchored in the hope that we have in Christ. No matter what we're facing, we know that we're in his hands. And we're in secure hands. And we're assured of that as we go through whatever we're navigating through. And so today we come to this third part in the series of Finding Hope. And let me start with a question. Have you ever said something like this? I can't see any hope in blank. I can't see any hope in blank. You fill in the blank. I can't see any hope in a medical prognosis. I, I can't see any hope in this marriage that I'm in. I, I don't see any hope in this financial situation or financial disaster that I'm facing. I just can't see any hope in losing my mom or my dad or a sibling. I can't see any hope. And those are the biggies right there. But then sometimes people can't see any hope. How about this? I can't see any hope in a biology class. I'm never going to pass that. <laughs> I remember when I went back to school after working in the mine for 13 years and I took algebra. And I had never wore glasses before that. After algebra, I wore glasses. <laughs> and that's the truth. I can't see any hope in this algebra class. I, I can't see any hope in this car situation that I have. But what I find 
and the birth and the early life of Jesus Christ is that God directs us to hope. The Christmas story is about God pointing people to the hope in Jesus. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things that we face that direct us away from hope. The pandemic that we have been in, it tries to direct us away from hope. All the animosity in our world, doesn't it kind of just push us away from the hope that is real in God? And so we've got to go back to the manger. We've got to go back to the very beginning, the very onset of hope and where he was born. Remember, the uh, hope is not found in a building. It's found in a person. And that person is Jesus. And he changes everything. He's the life changer in our lives. And so we're going to go to Matthew We've been in the, in, in, the, in the gospel of Matthew, the, the narrative that, that the tax collector wrote. And remember he started with the genealogy, that he moved into the, the, the uh, Mary uh, getting the word from the angel and in a dream. And then uh, Joseph, he got a con- confirmation from the angel, marry her, take her as your wife. And he needed that. Well, now we go to chapter 2, and we're going to read the first 11 verses, and we're going to find some things there that, that, uh, that the Bible's going to teach us, maybe some things that tradition can even take us away from. So this can, how, do you, how many of you know that the Bible narrative can, can, can sit, clear up traditions? Sometimes we have these traditions in our life, and, and the Bible doesn't say that. What does the Bible say? And that's what we want to extract as, as we look at how we are all uh, directed to the hope that we need. Okay, verse 1 of, ch- of chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. Now, you may have it. If, if you have your Bible, I would love for you to open up to chapter 2 of, uh, of, of Matthew. Uh, if you have a smart device, open up there. You're going to have it in front of you as well. If you're online, you know, I'd love for you to go to your Bibles as well. And if not, it's going to be on the screen. Um, but but the, the literal translation says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Okay? That's what New American Standard. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So that, that kind of just triggers something for us to kind of keep mindful about. During the reign of King Herod... And so the NLT says, about that time, and I underline that, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Now that's interesting because how many of you know that Jesus can stir things up in a society? 
Have you noticed that in our country? That either either Jesus is going to be embraced or they try to remove him. Right? So it it shows us from the very beginning that that they were were troubled at that. They were disturbed when they heard this. Verse 4, he called the meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Now, I want to pause right there because the white lines... We're not reading them, but, but this is after Jesus was born. Okay, so I don't want to mess up your nativity. I love nativities, but this is after. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us so, right? So he, he called the meeting, verse 4, of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they say to him, in Bethlehem in Judea. For this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you and will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called a private meeting with the magi, or the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. So all of this is going on. All of this is happening. Jesus is born in Bethlehem, but all of these things are going on, and all this discussion is going on elsewhere. He then told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for what? For the child. Underline that. When the angel appeared to the shepherds, he said, you will find a what? A baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Notice the difference right here. Go and find the the child, okay? And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was, Again, child, not baby. But when, the, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy, and they entered into the, I, I can't hear you, into the, the house, stable, stable, the house, the house, and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened up their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold symbolizes royalty. Frankincense, incense, when the saints pray, incense is offered to God. Incense uh, represents divinity, and myrrh represents humanity. Myrrh is what they use to embalm dead people in that day. It was talking about the humanity of Christ, that he would die for everyone who trusted in him. Directed to hope. What can we take away? What can we pull out of this this passage that will help us today? Here's the first thing that I see. Wise men will always be directed to the hope that is found 
in Jesus. Wise men and wise women will always be directed to the hope. They'll be pointed to the hope that is found in Jesus. And notice who's doing the pointing. Notice who's doing the directing. Did the wise people make the star? God did. God will always point the way for us to find our hope in Jesus. Here's the first thing that we need to grab a hold of. Wisdom is always found where? In God. It's always found in God. Wisdom always will point us to God. Foolishness, and believe me, I've lived a lot of foolish days. Foolishness will direct us away from him. Wisdom will always draw us to him. We make the most foolish decisions in life when we're living our lives distant from God. The, the, the dumbest things that I've ever done in my life have always done me living independently of Jesus. The wisest choices that I've ever made have nothing to do with my wisdom. It has everything to do with God's wisdom. You see, wise people who are walking in the wisdom that God has imputed into us will always be drawn to the baby in the manger. Will always be drawn to the, to the Christ child. Let's just look at that narrative again. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that, that time, some wise men from eastern lands uh, arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king to, of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. The, the, the fact that on the very first Christmas, or the, the narrative of the very first Christmas, wise men were looking for a newborn king but not only to, to identify him as a newborn king, they were there for one specific reason that will change our lives. They were there to worship him. And can I tell you, when we worship him, it changes everything else. You see, you worship what's most important to you. And everything that we face in life will want our allegiance and our attention. The stress that you're facing, the worry that you have in you, it is, it is calling for your attention. But if you take your eyes off of whatever circumstance you have, whatever relational uh, problem you have, whatever health prognosis, if you take your eyes off of that, and believe me, it's hard, but you take your eyes off of that and put it on Jesus, you magnify him, it will minimize everything else in your life. The wise men, the magi, they went there for one specific reason and nothing was going to take them off the path. Not even Herod. They were there to worship the newborn king. Christmas, beloved. God directs people to the manger, to Jesus, so that we can find the king of kings and the Lord of lords and so that we can worship him. It changes everything. The 
the wisdom of, <clears throat> of God directs us and it will draw us to Jesus and the foolishness of man will lead us away from him. And maybe you're here and, and, and you've made some foolish choices in your life. I'm here and I made some foolish choices in my life. I continue when I do things independently of God to make foolish choices in my life. But God and his wisdom always points me back to Jesus. He points me back to this because the manger points me to the cross. And the cross speaks to me about God's forgiveness. That Jesus went there and said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And in that obstacle, in that place, in that, in that wonderful presence of forgiveness, we find restoration. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Not only do we need restoration for ourselves, but beloved, we need restoration for our world. See, this is a story that needs to be told. This is a story that needs to be heard. This is a story that needs to be accepted. And, and God will continually direct us. He'll continually point the way. He did that from the very beginning. He doesn't stop. There's things that happen in our lives that tell us that when we're walking independently of God, we're in a place of, of, of despair. We're in a place of hopelessness. And the Christmas story tells us there's hope for the hopeless. There's hope for those who are in despair. There's a place of restoration. There's a place where you can be healed and fixed from all the brokenness that we find in the world. And what I've come to find out, what I've come to find out is that we find that place in the most unexpected times and the most unexpected places. Think about that with me. That's the second thing I want you to grab a hold of. Sometimes God will direct you and me to find hope in the most unexpected times and the most unexpected places. You, you know, when God came into my life, I was in a life, I was in a place where I was completely lost. I, I didn't even know how to find God. And he found me there in that place. It was a time that I didn't predict. How many of you have been praying for loved ones and you think, that, you know, now's the time and yet God doesn't do it in your time. He does it in what? In his time. I found Jesus at a, at a gathering with a lot of alcohol and a lot of things that were going on that were not godly. So God does things his way and it's the same way with the birth of Jesus. You know, everything about Jesus' birth doesn't make sense. When you, when you think about this, humanly speaking, the, the virgin birth, that doesn't make sense. The, the 100% humanity of, of, of our Savior, that doesn't make sense. Where he was born, it doesn't make, make, make sense. You would have thought that, that he would have been born in the most exuberant place in the world. He's a savior. He was born in a stable. 
He's God's son. He's the savior of the world. But not only was it prophesied 700 years before that that a virgin would conceive, it was also prophesied that the hope for this world would be born in a very insignificant location. The prophet said this, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. The reason that he said that is because Bethlehem was just a small place. It was insignificant. Can great things come out of Oracle? The pastor who raised me up said, can anything good come out of Lordsburg, New Mexico? Anyone ever pass through Lordsburg, New Mexico? Don't blink. Can anything good come out of Silver City or Baird, New Mexico? Can anything good, think, put, your, put your, your hometown, can anything good come out of there? For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. In an insignificant location, in a stable and a manger, what, is, what it teaches me and what it teaches us is that God meets man. And he makes his entry into our world in some very unexpected places and very unexpected times. I don't, I don't know where you're at in your life right now. And let me say this. I don't even care where you are in your life right now. God is here. God isn't going to leave you. He's going to be with you. He knows the ins and the outs. And you know what I love about the Christmas story? It's that God finds us in those unexpected times and those unexpected locations. You, you, you may be thinking, when is God going to show up? He's never late and he's never early. Our God... Our God will show up. You ever, you ever thought something like this? God, God would never show up here. And God would never show up at this time. That's exactly what was going on in the Christmas story. It directs us to the reality that God is all-knowing. And everything that he does is strategic to his plan and his glory. While the, while the world is questioning this pandemic, now we can put it into very practical terms. While the world is questioning the, 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 this pandemic, while the world is questioning all these things that are going on, while some of you are scratching your head with who's leading our country, while some of you know, people are, are struggling with all kinds of different things, God is not dumbfounded by what he's doing. He knows what people do. Remember, it's the wisdom of God that leads us and points us to the Savior. It's not our own intellect. It's not our own wisdom. So, so God is, is working in 
and out, weaving and putting everything together. And God is making a perfect masterpiece. You see, this right here, beloved, you would never have done it this way. You would never have done it that way. That manger that points to that cross. Those wise men, those astrologers, as they went, they had no idea. They had no clue. As they took their gifts to the Savior of mankind, they had no idea that the whole purpose of him coming to this world was to die on a cross. Because we need him. And we need his sacrifice for all the things that we've done. The prophet Isaiah, who's the same one that, that prophesied about the virgin conceiving and prophesied about Bethlehem. He said this in, in Isaiah 55, and he's talking about the Messiah coming. And in 55, verse 6 through 9, it's beautiful. It says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Because he's pointing us there. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. He's talking about let wisdom lead you. Yes, turn to our God and he will forgive generously. My, oh, I love this. Now we're getting into some really deep things. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So, so that teaches me that his ways are nothing like my ways. His thoughts are, are far beyond anything that I could ever think. And believe me, I have a lot of thoughts. I tell people all the time, you don't want to be in my head. My head is a very busy place. And it never stops. It never stops. But his thoughts are so much grander than mine. Now, this, is, this process is with me, Christmas. Let's process this with me. Let's, his thoughts... His thoughts in this are so much greater than what we could ever think up. And his pointing, his pointing the Magi in that first Christmas morning, his pointing him to that was so much greater than what they could ever think up. When things are hopeless, what do you need more than anything else? What do we need? They found it. They found it in this narrative. When things are hopeless and you're in despair, what do you need more than anything else? What are you looking for? We're looking for hope. What does hope bring? Joy. I just want to be happy. I, I, I just want to feel joyful. 
a marriage that is hopeless, can I tell you what they're looking for? They're looking for some kind of joy. When you're in, in, in horrible finances, you get up and you're gloomy. It's, it, it, every day is like work. When, when your health, when your health is, 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 is failing and, 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 and if you're there right now, I get it. When, you're, when your health is, is, is not where it needs to be and you get a prognosis, you just feel down. How about our country? When, when, when you look at what's going on in our, in our world. How many of you are just saying, the United States of America, we're doing fantastic. Most of them are saying, boy, we need a lot of, need a lot of hope. But all of these things, if you, if you think you're going to get, this is, this is so important. If you think you're going to find joy in your finances, you're looking in the wrong place. If you think you're going to find joy in your marriage, you're looking at the wrong place. If you think you're going to find joy in your health, we're one day away from a prognosis. If you think you're going to find joy in your country, every four years, you're in for something. You see, the hope we find in Jesus will always fill our hearts with joy. Doesn't matter what, what I'm going through. Doesn't matter if Shauna's having a bad day, which she never does. It, it, it doesn't matter if, if, uh, if your finances are not the best in this season. It doesn't even matter if, if your health is not the best in this season. If Jesus is your hope, you will always be pointed to joy. Because your joy is in God. I want you to notice that God guided the wise men to find joy. Verse 9 and 10. The wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them. Now that's supernatural right there, because stars don't, they don't went. Right? Are you with me? Stars just stand. But the star went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with, I love the filled part. How would you like to leave here filled with joy? You can and you will if you didn't come here for a preacher or you didn't come here for a tree or you didn't come here for anything else. But if you were pointed here to find Jesus, you will leave here with an abounding joy in your life. You see, religion, religion doesn't make us joyful. 
Jesus does. A personal relationship with God the Father through Jesus the Son. Have you lost your joy? Are are you living a hopeless circumstance and a hopeless life right now? I know that you guys aren't, but second service might. But where we find our joy is in the hope of Jesus Christ. That's where your joy is. I love the way the Apostle Paul put it. He says, now may the God of hope, this kind of been our foundational text. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Notice how they're hinged together. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Fill you with all joy. Fill you with all peace. And you abound in hope. Not by the power of circumstances, not by the power of human relationships, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I had a list on my desk this week uh, of uh, people that were dealing with all kinds of circumstances. Memorial service I had to do. Someone else in the hospital had been there for 30 plus days uh, with COVID, all kinds of different things. That, and I can go down the list of hopeless situations. If my hope is in that, I'll live a life of despair. But my hope is in Jesus. Hear me now. Your Christmas will change if Christ is the biggest part of your life. Here's the fourth thing. God will always direct you to find hope in the true gift of Christmas. There will be a lot of people that are going to be opening gifts this Christmas. And I hope to be one of them. But, But how many people How many people are going to open up the true gift? If I was to go around this house of worship right now, if I was to ask you, what did you get in in 2020, Christmas 2020? How many of you would remember? I don't remember. I hate to say it. At this moment, I don't remember. I can probably go back and, and, and look. See, those gifts that we get on Christmas, a lot of times we don't remember, but Jesus will always remember. He's the true gift. He's what these, these, these wise men, they, they entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him, right? And, and, and whatever the... the, the, the the age of what he was, what we, you know, some, some scholars say he was up to two years old, you know, that he was, he was older. We, we know that it was at least, could be two, because Herod, right after this narrative, Herod sends out people to go kill every two-year-old boy that was born in Bethlehem and under. So they entered, and, and they bowed down, and they worshipped him. They worshipped him because he is the true gift. 
and they open up their treasures. Here's these wealthy, wealthy magi, and they open up their treasure chest because you have to be wealthy to have a treasure. Amen? And they gave him gold, and they gave him frankincense, and they gave him myrrh because these wise men were directed to the true gift. But here's the thing, beloved. To this day, and I'm getting ready to close, to this day, we're still directed and pointed to Jesus. We're still directed to where we find the gift of God. The Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church in, in Corinth, and he's writing to them after they pick up this, this offering that's going to help people in need in Jerusalem. And he talks about their generosity and how God is, is they're celebrating this. And then he gets to this verse in verse 15, and he says, he says the reason you're giving, the reason your, your heart is being stirred is because of God working in you and through you and because you have found what's important in life. And then he says this in verse 15, thank God for this gift. He's talking about Jesus, too wonderful for words. That's a gift, beloved. That's a gift. And if Jesus is your centerpiece right now, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You are in the best hands of all. Abounding in hope. Full of peace. Full of joy. And able to share this story with people that are desperate for hope and filled with all kinds of despair and problems in their life. as I end the service with prayer. Maybe God has brought you here today so that you could find true hope, that hope in Jesus. Maybe you're watching online and, and, and you've been going through all kinds of things and God is pointing you to your true hope, which is Jesus Christ. And there's, there's been a stirring that's been going on in you while you've been here and hearing this message, but that stirring has been going on in you even before you even heard one word. And God has been pointing you and directing you to the place that your life will be changed forever. Every person that has ever come into contact and put their trust in Jesus, their life is changed forever. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, for every person that's sitting here in this place of worship. I ask, Lord, that you will move upon hearts and minds. Lord, that we will see clearly as you direct us to the hope that we have in Christ. I pray, Lord God, that, that if there's someone in this place or there's someone that's watching or listening 
Lord, that you will fill them with your presence and that they will know without a shadow of a doubt that they've been in the presence of the Almighty. Lord, we can't make that up. We can't fabricate that in ourselves, but you are a real God. Jesus, you are a real Savior. And Holy Spirit, you are a real comforter. So Lord, I don't know what's going on in, in every person's life, but you do. And I just pray a touch. I pray a touch from heaven that you, Lord God, will be glorified in their lives. And that, Lord, that you, as you draw them, that they will find that they're in good hands in Jesus Christ. So we pray this in his name and all of God's people said amen and amen. Let's all stand up and worship our King. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.